This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 832, a conversation with John Dell. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 832. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is a conversation with John Dell. Today I sat down to talk with the acclaimed inker about his time in comics, and uh, it was a really fun conversation, although near the end of it I realized that it's going to be a two-parter, so we're going to have to get John back on in the next couple of weeks to uh, to kind of finish out his career and journey in comics. We only got up to the end of the cross-gen period, so uh, you'll have to check when we have him back on, but in the meantime, uh, enjoy this episode. At times the audio is a little, sh- a little, uh, a little quiet, but uh, it's well worth listening too and john has some great stories you can email the show at comic shenanigans at gmail.com or rate the show on itunes subscribe to us on itunes and also listen to us on stitcher thanks again for listening to this episode and i'll jump right into the conversation with john dell enjoy um my name is john dell i i ink for marvel and dc comics i've uh, been doing it for a long time so so I have to ask everyone uh, who I talked to on the show, what uh, what was the you know when when did comics first kind of enter your life? How old were you, and uh, how fast did it kind of take hold? Did you say stores or stories? Pardon me. I I wasn't sure if you said comic stores or comic stories. The comic stories, like when when did you first kind of become a, a fan of comics? Oh, wow. Uh, it would probably have had to have been, um, I would say the mid-70s. Uh, as long as I can remember, uh, there were comics around. If you wanted to get your hair cut, there were comics there. Uh, if your mom went shopping, she'd drop you off at, you know, wherever the comic stand was and pick you up later. <laughs> um, when I, I mean, I remember if, if we got clinched to assignment in class early, uh, the teacher would give you a couple of comics to keep you quiet. It's, it's kind of sad because um, I've talked about this with a few of the professionals, but if, if I never, um, if I didn't work in the industry, there's really no place today uh, where my son or daughter would have seen comics unless I brought them home from a comic shop. But my dad was um, an avid comic reader. I think, well, he liked cartoons, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner. And he would, he was in the Navy, he would go off on these long, um, you know, the Navy would go out for these long, things and he'd come home and in the st- bottom of his duffel bag he'd hand me um, I couldn't wait to see it but it was usually about a two foot stack of comics oh wow and uh, this would have been around early 70s mid 70s so I was reading uh, hot stuff spooky the little ghost um, Marvel stuff at the time, DC stuff at the time, um, 
I mean, I can still see the, the covers in my head. I, my dad loved Warren, so I was reading Creepy and Eerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with there was some Monster Fumetti stuff, I remember. Uh, and you just hear, hear, you know, hear Mark, and I would just, <laughs> I would just chew through them. Uh, and also a lot of the other kids in the neighborhood, we would, um, you know, we would meet and we would trade issues. You know, oh, I, I don't, I haven't read that issue of Werewolf by Night here. This one, you know. Ooh, I'll trade it for your, you know, whatever, your uh, champions, you know. Uh, and that pretty much, I mean, as long as I can remember, I just, you know, they, they've been around me. And and I just, I just started trying to copy the pictures, uh, you know. Or, or, well, at first I would cut up the pictures, cut up the comics and put them on my notebooks. And then I just started drawing them onto my notebooks, you know, for like English math. I'd say, ooh, let's do this Army at War cover, you know, because it had a really cool picture of a tank. And I would copy it as good as I could onto my, you know, my math folder. Um, so I've always, you know, since I've been old enough to hold a pencil and read a book, when, you know, reading comic books, newspaper strips, cereal boxes, you know, it was just, uh, my dad thought it was, you know, I was reading, um, and he didn't mind. He just said, yeah, well, <laughs> here, have another stack, kid. <laughs> and, Ooh, you know, so I'm, I'm nine years old, I'm reading Corbin, and, you know, it's like, wow, this stuff is cool. <laughs> At, at what stage? I mean, as you said, like you're you're starting to draw and copy, you know. And I think a lot of kids, when they start with comics at that age, they kind of want to start drawing. And but eventually, a lot of kids realize they don't really have talent for it, so they kind of stop it. So, at what point did you realize, no, I'm I'm kind of good at this, and then maybe I'd like to work in the industry? And and also, like, when do you first first start to kind of think of it as you know an industry that you can break into, as opposed to just like the comics of your youth, where you just kind of get comics and you read them, and suddenly it's an industry that you can maybe maybe have a career at. Well, this is funny because, well, like I said, uh, being uh, a navy uh, navy sort of a navy uh, person, uh, my, we were constantly moving, so it seemed like every other year uh, I was at another school. So when you're like that, when you grow up like that, you don't um, you don't really try to reach out for friends. You just kind of figure, well, I'll only be here for a couple of months and then I'm moving somewhere else. But I'm social. Uh, so <laughs> I learned that if I would draw, uh, people would come around and look. It's like, oh, this kid's drawing. And that kind of encouraged me to keep trying to draw better. Uh, and, and also, if I was feeling kind of shy in a new place or, you know, not really sure who I should talk to, and, you know, uh, it was also like a little bit of a, a wall until I could, you know, feel safe enough to uh, start talking to the people around me. Because they would have already made first contact, so it would be easy to say, you know, hey, I like, I like that major Superman. Hey, I like you, you know. Let me get my glove. Let's go play catch. Uh, you know, it was just a way of breaking the ice. Um, 
it never really occurred to me that people made money drawing comics. Uh, I started noticing styles um, of different artists probably around, I guess maybe, still, I was still in grade school and I thought Jack Kirby was awful and Steve Ditko rocked. Because <laughs> uh, Jack would draw these square figures like, look, he didn't even draw fingernails. Good God, what is all this, you know? He, all his people are growling and look like monsters. Uh, and then Steve Ditko, I'd look at his Spider-Man stuff and go, oh, look, that is just so smooth and clean. And then I started this John Basima, uh, because he was all, Ross Andrews was Spider-Man back then. Uh, Kurt Swan was on Superman. And Kurt Swan Superman was like, hey, it's Officer Friendly with a cape. This guy is a kid's best friend if he needed help. Uh, but I really, I really got stunned quick with Spider-Man. I just, uh, you know, I, I just enjoyed Peter Parker being able to put on a suit. And then I didn't learn his origin until later. I just thought, you know, wow, he's got those cool powers. Maybe he comes with, yeah. And then when I did more and learned more, I, I, I you know, I, I learned about the character. Um, I just, uh... I just kept kept drawing, kept kept pushing it, and uh, meeting you know as I got older, meeting more people. Um, um, I'm gonna get lost here sooner or later, just babbling. So if I need to get back on focus, pull me back in. Well, actually, I do. I do have a question to interject for a moment. Um, when you, you talk sure. about some of these kind of legends that you were seeing at the time, and uh, you know, starting to appreciate, you know, Dicko and maybe not liking Kirby at the time. Um, which of those kind of legends that had an impact on you when you were younger? Which of the ones? Which of them did you actually get to to meet later on when you were breaking in? I never met Ditko because um, well, he's a legendary hermit recluse. Mm-hmm. I did meet Kirby and Jack Kirby and his wife uh, right before I broke in. Uh, at uh, Comic-Con, probably around 1989. I just, I was there to, to show my portfolio, and a friend of mine was like, hey, let's go meet Jack. And Jack and his wife were walking across the floor. I was like, are you serious? That's the guy? And I just walked up, and I, I just, you know, I, I stuck up my hand, and I just, you know, Mr. Kirby, uh, Oh, you know, I, I just want to say thank you. Um, everything, you know, everything you've done uh, is just, you know, you've, you've, you've opened my eyes to something I love and, and all these characters. And and he, you know, he's like, ah, oh, you kids, you're the reason why I do this. You're, you know, you want to be an artist, you keep doing it, you keep pushing them. And he said, you know, I, you know back when I was creating, and then, you know, uh, his wife piped up with, "I go and who do you think helped to get started?" You thought, yeah, you know, she's just, and I just started this little little bickering thing. It was, was good hearted, good natured, and, and and then I started feeling like, well, okay, I, I've, I've done what I plan to do, and and you know they're probably going somewhere, so I'll just say goodbye. And I shook his hand, and he clapped me on the back, and gave me a wave, and, and I was on my way. 
but that was like, um, I had a chance to meet Gil Kane, but I blew it. Um, you know, I was, at, I was at a DC party, and I could, I, I, someone always told me, and I never knew this for sure, but he had this way of saying, my boy, my boy. And uh, so I'm at a party in D.C., and I hear this, my boy, my boy. I'm like, holy cow, that's Gil Kane. I got to go meet him. And then I, I tried to get through it, but it was real thick, and I, I couldn't find him, and somebody else grabbed me. I got into another conversation. Uh, and then he, I think he wasn't around much longer after that. Hmm. So, but uh, all right, if I, I, I guess I did, I get that. <laughs> I, I wish I could have met a lot more. Uh, I'm meeting more of them now. Uh, I got to meet Michael Golden. I got to meet uh, Pat Braddock was one. I got to meet. Um, I, I wish I could have met John Basima. I wish I could have met. I haven't met John Byrne, but he is a huge influence. But I know he's out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <laughs> do you do, you do a, a lot of conventions? I mean, back when conventions were a thing? Sadly, not now. Uh, I, I do Pensacon, and there's a free comic book day uh, in Mississippi. Um, but with me, uh, there's so much, especially with flying now, uh, I'm, the last big one I went to was Heroes, uh, and that was probably about five or six years ago. Um, I don't, I don't really do Wizard uh, because it's just, just, it's this big lumbering beast of a con, and I don't, frankly, I don't have the star power to crack Wizards. Uh, I, I don't know if I can make you pass their velvet rope. Hmm. So, even though I've been in the industry since the uh, late, you know, late eighties. And done everything. Um, I'm just not. Uh, anchors don't rate really the the, the big. Uh, you know, anchors are kind of like the silent. You know, better to, to just know they're around. Don't actually talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> There's an anchor over there. Yeah, just don't make eye contact. You might want to come eat dinner. Uh, <laughs> So to go back to the kind of the the breaking in when you like you realize you do have talent and you can maybe work in comics. Like how how did you end up with, with AC Comics? That would have been uh, when I met. Uh, I moved to Pensacola from Louisiana, and I met uh, Mark Probst. Uh, back then, also that would have been around eighty two, eighty three, um, and that's right around the time Bill Black was firing up. Uh, his, well, he was, I guess he was mutually restarting Americomics or AC, and it was right down there in Orlando, and Mark and I were putting out a fanzine together, and the, 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 there was another one of us, I can't think of his name, uh, he had an idea that we should go down and interview, since we were based in Florida, uh, a Florida comic company. So we're like, yeah, let's do that. Didn't call, just drove down to Orlando, found out where they were, asked them if we could come visit them. Bill was gracious enough to say, come on down. Uh, and then I think it was also the same week as Orlando, uh, no, they had an Orlando con. And uh, so we got to go there too. And I met, uh, right off the bat, I met John Beatty. 
And we kind of hit it off. Uh, Beatty's always going to be a guy I really, I just, I love the guy. Um, I met uh, Bob McLeod, uh, Pat Broderick. Um, there were a couple of Golden Age artists like Al Pastino. Mm. Uh, there was the, uh, I created the, um, uh, the Green Lantern, Marty Nodell. Um, and I, I was sitting next to these guys. And I was just sitting there doing my little sketches, and um, you know, and, and they would give me tips and pointers. And I was just loving it, man, because uh, you know Bill was gracious enough to treat us like we were breaking in, and and so I didn't feel like I was on the other side of the table like a fan. Hmm. I felt like I was being welcomed into a club, and that kind of bolstered my. Uh, and, and then, you know, every now and then, Bill would say, send me some stuff and let's see what you got. And we kept doing that. Mark and I kept doing that. And I was at a convention, uh, I'm not going to know the year. Um, it was probably around 85, maybe 86. And uh, Bill got Rick Levins to hand me a nightshade. No, yeah, it was a nightshade drawing. He said, do you got your brushes with you? I said, yeah. He said, if you can ink this, I'll give you, a, uh, good enough, I'll give you some work. Like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's, that's just basically what happened. He sent me home with some pages and said, here. And of course, I blew it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a, a month later, he's coming, going, hey, where are those pages? And I'm like, oh, oh there's deadlines. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I did what I, what I could, and, and he, I guess, he thought, I always wanted to be a pencil. I've always practiced penciling, and I guess as a pencil, I, I, I was pretty good at inking. Um, you know, I, I can draw pretty well, which I just, I'm slow. Uh, but he was, Bill was willing to pay me to learn my craft. Hmm. And at that time, you know, that meant a lot. And uh, I owe him a debt of thanks for that, you know. And I got to work uh, on Rick Levin's pencils. He's no longer with us. I got to work on a bunch of people over there. Mark and I pretty much started, Mark Probst and I pretty much started out at the same time and uh, over and we wound up at AC and then from there we just kind of, me, I moved to the independence and I think he did the same thing. That, that, that used to be the way it went. Um, you, you'd get a job with an independent company doing stuff like Southern Nights, which I did, um, for, you know, for Dave Kraft. Um, whoever would hire you, uh, you know, I, it was 20 hours a page. I did Speed Racer for Now Comics. I did, uh, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever, pretty much whoever would, would hire me. I had a pretty clean line. I was known for, you know, for that at least. Um, but I was I was over inking and over rendering. I look at that stuff now. I had to figure out how not to to correct everybody. You know, <laughs> say, oh no, that that is not, that's not wrong. That's how that's not how I would do it at all. And just it's like, and then I you were coming. What the heck did you do to my pencils? Oh, you know this is all wrong. It's time to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> when, I had to kind of learn not to do that. 
What what was it like? I mean, when you make the first kind of jump and you start working on some DC books, uh, which would have, I guess been what like early nineties. What would that? What was that like for you? Just emotionally to kind of make that jump to one of the big two companies. I mean, you're you're working, you know, you're establishing your craft at these smaller companies, taking the work as it comes, and now you kind of have that first major break at one of the big two. What did that feel like when that happened? Joe Phillips, my God, thanks, thank you, Joe, uh, Joe Phillips. I I had uh, I had kind of fallen out of comics because of some stuff that happened with now, which if you want to, I'll tell you, but I don't really. Uh, it got ugly, and so I kind of decided I didn't want to do comics. Uh, and I started just, you know, I was working at pizza places, uh, and I just got fed by, I think I was working at Mervyn's in their men's department and selling shoes. And I was just going, you know what, I don't like this. Uh, I had just got married, and, uh, and I just, I, I'm not happy. I called Joe Phillips, and Joe and Al Gordon were on um, an annual uh, with Timberwolf, and it was to kick off a, a, his own miniseries or something like that, and Al Gordon had broken his hand, and uh, I, that was right, like, the day I called uh, Joe and said, I can't stand him, and you got to help me get into comics. He said, well, you're in luck. If you can make it down here to uh, their studio, which is, of course, the legendary uh, studio down there in Georgia, um, which I'm now blanking on, it was Kaijin. And it was like, if you can come hang out here at Kaijin and eat a couple of panels over the weekend, I can maybe get you work at D.C. So I, I literally did that. I took a train down there. Uh, I, I, I just worked nonstop on Joe's pencils, photocopies, photocopies, no, do it again, no, do it again, trying to figure out what I was doing wrong, and it's like, okay, fine. And I left, and Joe had just enough to fax my, my inks to the, uh, we were faxing. He faxed them to New York. They said, you don't suck, give it to him. Uh, I inked that, and that was my first job for DC, and I've been working in comics since. Wow, that's incredible. So it's a good thing you made that call. Yeah, really, because, uh, and, and, and I, I, I like, you know, I like Al. I'm sorry he broke his hand, but at the same time, I, I, I might not have gotten the comics if he hadn't. <laughs> So not long after that, so you, you work on the Legion books, and then you get to uh, launch the the Lobo book um, as the inker on that. What was that like to not just, you know, now you're working in comics, but now you also have an ongoing that you get to launch with someone else? Oh, that was so much fun working with Val. Because uh, I was reading the stuff he was doing, The Demon. And I was like, this guy looks fun. But, of course, I never made the connection. Uh, well, well, first I was thinking Dave Johnson on a book called uh, Chain Gang War. Mm, that's which right. I think at its height did 11,000 copies. <laughs> before they said, you know what, let's just cancel this. Uh, and Dave Johnson was like, I think I was one of his first thinkers as well. Um, and, of course, they canceled it. And then uh, Dan Rashford. It was like, uh, how do you feel about Lobo? Because I think Carl Kessel, Kessel was uh, going to ink it, but I think something 
his schedule conflicted and he couldn't do it. And I got asked if I would do it. And I'm like, yeah. And so they just, Val had done like, uh, he had like five issues ready. That's what some kind of monster Val is. Uh, so it's like, as soon as I said yes, I get two FedEx boxes full of Lobo pencils. <laughs> and I just remember looking at it going, there's like, you know, there's like 160 pages of art here. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, well, this is my life. Uh, just, I'm, I'm a, it's official, I work for DC. Um, and I just picked up the first page and started going. And uh, I chased Val for almost four or five years. And, um, it was fun. It was fun. Any any uh, any dangerous or or criminal or or uh, angry thing that was working in my mind at the time was 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 exercised doing Lobo because uh, you know, he blew up, tore ears off, tore noses off. So you know, it's like it's like it's like you're all my bad influences. All my like, ah, gotta. And at the end, I was like, ah, that's a butterfly. It's so nice. Uh, you know, just, just working on Lobo because he's just such a nasty little guy. Um, it, was, yeah, it, was just, it was just fun, too. But then I started wanting to do the bigger... You know, I want bigger toys. I want Superman. And, you know, I want Batman. But, you know, you just got to wait for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious about that period, too, because after Lobo, it looks like you do like a lot of cover work and doing inks on a lot of different covers that were coming out around the time. You also worked on a, a, a one-shot that I always really loved, and as a kid, uh, maybe didn't understand the joke. Not the joke, but what was really happening. And so what I mean is that you got to work on JLX, which was from the uh, yeah. the, the Amalgam Project, which, again, not to date myself as being too young, but I was, I guess, 12 years old when that came out, and I didn't realize that this was... You you know, just a, a stunt. This was like a fun like thing that they were doing with the two companies. I was, you know, the right age to be like, did I just never see this comic before? And is this a real thing? And I have I have embarrassed myself admitting that many times before to people who've worked on those books. But what was that like to ink Howard Porter and do something like that, which was such a, a fun, I would imagine a fun experiment for everybody? I, um, I did, well, towards the, I guess, Around the middle of my run through uh, through Lobo, uh, other artists and other editors and other companies started saying, "Hey, look who's this guy?" Because apparently I just kind of appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, and uh, hey, I never noticed. I, you know, John Dell, who? Where did you come from? Uh, and I was like, you know, I've been here for a while. It's now I just now landed at DC. Uh, and so editors would call me up, and, and at the time, I mean, when I broke into comics, when I was trying to get the books you wanted to do were X-Men, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I wanted to do X-Men. I wanted to do all these really cool... I grew up practically a Marvel zombie from the 80s. In the 80s, everyone liked Marvel. There were obvious reasons. Um... And here I am at DC, and, and also Marvel editors are calling me going, hey, how about playing with this? I'm like, I can't. I got deadlines. I'm doing Lobo. I can't just call down and say, I want to stop now and do that thing. You know, be a, I'd be kind of a, a jerk if I did. So I started kind of field offers from other, 
other editors are thinking, wow, there's stuff out there besides Lobo, but you know, right now I'm here and I'm, plus I had a contract with DC. Uh, towards the end of my, um, towards the end of my, my last contract and uh, they started thinking, well, you know, maybe Val wanted to kind of, he was getting tired, he wanted to go somewhere else. We're all kind of feeling like, wow, we've been here forever. And uh, I think it was Adam Kubert who was like, hey, you want to try out for some X-Men stuff? And I was like, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. And I started making covers with him and uh, other covers. I did like, uh, we did, did ancient covers over Howard. And, uh, you know, other editors were like, hey, let's see what you can do on this guy. Let's see so it was like, basically that. Uh, you know, and also at that time, Marvel and DC were putting out those poster books. It's like, you know, oh, look, it's, it's the Lobo, Portraits of a Bastage, <laughs> Batman, Dark Knight, you know, and all these. And, and it's like, hey, Joe, let's see how you do on, on Sky Eaton. Let's see it. You know, and so I started being other artists and doing other stuff like that and doing covers, like you said. And, but, um, so I did some X Men stuff. Someone, some editor, I can't remember who. Actually, sent me some X Men pages. Said, "Hey, let's see what you do on this guy." So I'm inking those, and I found like, "Oh my God, I'm making X Men. This is this is Professor X. This is the Beast. I'm here, man." <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, Howard and I were starting to like really get in, get in sync with each other on covers, and uh, I I know I wound up doing JLX. And uh, Howard's like, I'm doing this thing, it's, it's, it's uh, the JLX. And I said, oh, yeah? <laughs> and he explained the premise. He's like, are you interested? I was like, oh, yeah? And he sent me his characters. And as I'm looking at these things, I'm reading the script, and I'm wanting to do it really. So we did that. And then I'm like, okay, now what? You know, well, look around, now what? And uh, I got a call from... Uh, I think his name was, oh, God, don't let me make, make his name wrong. Jordy Gorfinkel at DC was like, hey, can we fly up and talk to you about Batman? Like, Batman? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely want to do that. And so I, I go fly up, we go have a nice little dinner, and he's like, okay, so um, we're looking at maybe putting you on Batman, uh, but we're going to take about maybe a couple of months to... Um, really, you know, get you going, so, you know, anything you can think of to keep yourself busy for a couple of months, uh, you know, but we'll be in touch, and, and I'm like, okay, okay, now what, and then, um, uh, geez, the original editor on JLA, uh, kind of came whispering at me, like, hey, I tried to do JLA, kid, and, um, so it's like, well, yeah, because, you know, Adam Hughes just said, beautifully say, oh no, we're talking about the original run. And he hands me, um, Alan, oh no, 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 damn it, who was the writer for, uh, for JLA? Grant Morrison. Mm -hmm. He's like, here, read this. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting in one of the rooms, and yeah, he's like, and, and it would be you and Howard. I'm like, really? And so I'm reading this, like, Oh, there's no way they're going to let Greg get away with half of this stuff. <laughs> uh, and all of it, man, all of it went through. 
And so I wound up doing JLA for a while after that. And in working with Howard Porter was, oh gosh, I mean, those scripts were fantastic. Uh, Al Howard was just doing full out beautiful Jack Kirby stuff, man. We had the new gods. We had uh, Superman with the, you know, back then he had the, he had the long hair in the back, short hair in the front, Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought in, uh, you know, I got to do uh, Big Barda, I got to do Orion. Uh, it was just every big toy they had at DC, this one book, uh, which was just, you know, that was another four years. And I'm like, you saw, this is, I'm in heaven. <laughs> and that, that was one of my favorite jobs. Oh, I loved doing JLA. Uh, if I've gone off track again, I apologize. No, 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 that that's, was... it's excellent. Actually, I, I will interject quickly, though. Um, during that kind of, that period before you got JLA, uh, when you were doing a lot of uh, the cover work, you did work on one of my, I, I think, favorite X-Men covers, especially when I was younger. It was uh, X-Men 55 that you did with uh, Andy Kubert. It was a shot of the Statue of Liberty, and you had the Sentinels yes. reaching over it, and then you had the heroes kind of fighting back, and I just always loved that image, and it was just so arresting when I was younger, and I just, you know, I was 12 years old, again, getting into comics, you know, for the first time, kind of later than most people would, and I remember that cover just being so cool. That was, uh, I, and I can remember doing it, um, and that was, uh, I think that was Andy? Yeah. I don't know if it was Adam or Andy. I think it was Andy. Yeah, it was Andy. Done a, yeah, I did a couple of Adam covers, too, with Wolverine. Um, even some, um, oh, you did Captain America. Uh, Steve Epting. Yeah. I did a couple of cap- covers with him. Uh, Marvel was just trying to, trying to come, you know, come play with us. We have cookies. <laughs> um, we got cookies and, and look, we have all these. And I'm like, ah, I really want to go there. It's so cool there. I want to go there so bad. But I was always you know, too busy with DC. Um, and then, like I said, I wound up doing JLA. But the weird thing, I always thought of it this way. Um, I first started doing some X-Men. While I was at DC, I started doing some X-Men stuff. And then I was, and then I did JLX, and then I wound up doing JLA. So it was like, I had that weird thing, it was like X-Men, JLX, JLA. <laughs> it's a good transition. Yeah, it was, so JLX, that's where, was, that's where I was going with that eventually, was uh, JLX is my transition from uh, from one book to the next, and uh and then after JLA, of course, it was cross-gen. So. so I have a question before we get to the cross-gen. Um, you know, working on first like Lobo and then working on JLA, and this is going to sound like a stupid question because I would guess the answer would be yes, but do you do you like being, I'm going to call it a monogamous inker, but like the, having a long run working with an artist for a duration? Yeah. Um, I, I have to say I do. Because, uh, you know, you, you get to be, um, well, I, I really miss, and I'm maybe maybe it's because I'm an old man, uh, but when when I grew up, you read, uh, you read Spider-Man, and he stayed, if it was Ross Andrew, you knew what to expect month after month after month after month. He didn't get subject to, wait, why does Spider-Man have big eyes now? 
what is Spider-Man? It, was, it wasn't like, oh, now i got to learn a new artist's style. Mm-hmm. And the stories, um, you know, were, were this, there were mud-shot stories. You didn't, you know, there was a little, there was his origin on the first page. You didn't have to worry, like, who is this guy? It was just, it, it, you know, I liked seeing that. Uh, and when I was working on Lobo and JLA, I liked knowing that hopefully that's what kids were enjoying, was that it was, they knew, they knew the next issue was going to be kind of cool, but they knew it was going to be the same team. You know, because if you can imagine, I don't, I know there's a different attention span thing, but if you watched, let's say you got, you watched a TV show, and every week it was a different cast, and it was a different location, <laughs> uh, it would, you know, he's like, okay, well, the concept is sound, but why is the dad now played by Kirk Douglas and last week was played by, you know, Will Smith? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I've, so I've, I, I've I, never heard someone articulate it actually that well. Of uh, that is the kind of the weird experience sometimes when you're reading comics when you know you do have fill-ins or something where it kind of ruins that visual consistency. And I've uh, that's an interesting analogy to kind of bring it to TV like that. You know, and again, now uh, with, with the fans being as polarized as they are, and, and oh man, I, I've gotten butchered. Uh, me and some of the books I've worked on have been just literally drawn and quartered uh, in forums, uh, online, Twitter. Uh, I remember Howard had a particular uh, group that hated him. Like uh, one one guy actually even wrote in. Um, you know, this guy should have his hands cut off. Uh, I mean, so you, you see that negativity. And uh, I remember I, I was begging and pleading for them to bring the new gods into it. Uh, you know, God, we need the new gods in here somewhere. And then they were there, right? Now it was that whole uh, dark side thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then I go to the forums, and it's like, you know, oh, it sucks so much that Bart is in there, Mr. Miracle doesn't belong in the GLI. And I'm like, I really wanted to do them, though. Why is this guy not so happy? Why is he such a poser? It's like, that. I haven't even got the pages, and I'm kind of depressed already. Uh, you know, just, that, that can sometimes be a bit of a, a bit of a bothersome thing. I, I do appreciate longer runs, and that's really why. Because I, I think, I think if you get a team a chance to build something solid, it's going to be stronger. It's going to last longer. Uh, you know, instead of oh well, let's let's tear it down and see what else works. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that didn't work. That wouldn't work. We need another team. Quick, pronto, start up a new storyline. Let's go. Uh, I, I'm a fan of long runs, and uh, that, that's how, that's actually kind of what I'm doing here on Spider-Man. Bagley and I have been with Spider-Man forever, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Well, don't worry, I'm going to get there in a second. I, I have to spend a little bit of time with the, the cross-gen experience because I was, uh, you know, I was a fan at the time. I, I remember being there, like I was, I'm trying to remember, I was probably 16 years old when cross-genesis number one came out and it kind of launched that whole universe. And so I was on the kind of the ground floor of that. And I have a lot of those books still because, I mean, they're, 
you know, not probably going to be recollected at any time. And they're just kind of sitting in, I guess, the IP sitting with Disney these days. But, um, you know, I, I love the cross-gen experience in terms of, uh, from a reader's perspective. I'm curious, whenever I get to talk to people who have who worked there, what that process was like. I mean, it sounds like when it was doing well, it was a really fascinating experience to be working alongside all these other artists and you got to kind of see other people's styles and learn from from everyone because it was kind of one big party one big studio uh question was something that came into my attention uh i kind of saw it kind of starting from the idea that i would even wouldn't even bother with that uh they had this little flyer they put out that I later learned was all put together in Photoshop. Um, it was impressive, man. It hooked me. Um, <laughs> but it showed a layout of the offices. Uh, it said it was a new thing in comics. They had unlimited funding. They said this word I'd never heard before in comics. It was magic. It was just like, that can't, no. Salary? <laughs> what? A salary? Oh, God. And that was right around the time um, I was coming to a con- I was coming to an end on JLA. They'd already got, um, they'd already figured out that um, Brian Hitch was going to come in. And they were just going to go and just have fun. And I like Brian Hitch. I've met him. He's a, he's a really cool guy. Uh, he, you know, he, he came and hang out at Crosstown a few times. Um, and I was like, well, you know what, I'm done with GLA. Uh, where am I going to go from here? I'm, I, I'm, I'm basically, at that time in my career, um, I'm thinking bulletproof. Uh, I'm making probably DC's highest rate as an equal that they would acknowledge. I don't want to give away numbers. Because uh, I'm sure there are guys in Image of Marvel that would laugh and go, that's all you made? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I was doing good money at DC. I, was, I had their biggest toy, and I'm like, uh, the, only, the only way I can think to jump from here is over at Marvel and do X-Men, and they don't look the same. You know, they're not the they're not the John Byrne X-Men, hmm. uh, which is kind of a disappointment. They're not Jack Kirby's, you know, X-Men. But it, I guess if I was going to go anywhere, it'd have to be something over at Marvel. And then uh, a friend of mine brought the the, the cross-gen flyer over. He's like, hey, what do you think of this nonsense? Like, hmm. <laughs> Salary? And and uh, I was married again. Like I said, I was married. I had two children. We had a house. We lived in Kenner. Uh, one of my, one of my, uh, my son Tyler was in school. And so I'm pretty much thinking, well, I'm going to live here in Kenner till I die. And then the cross trip, moved to Tampa. See, I, I really used to love living in Florida when I was younger, because that's where I, you know, that's, that's, uh, and so, uh, Lisa, how do you feel about moving to Florida? <laughs> and she's like, well, I guess that would be okay. Uh, and... I sent, uh, I sent a, you know, the question thing said, uh, send samples, uh, maybe a few issues don't, can't hurt, uh, you know, pencils, inks, a couple of story telling pages, 
uh, maybe a, a statement as to uh, what you what you like, and, you know, what you could, ex- what would be your ideal places, uh, things to do. Uh, you know, just a little short questionnaire bio, uh, asking if you had credits. It's like, oh, jump down, dearly. You know, <laughs> here's some of my pages. Here's some of my comics. And uh, right away, I get a call from Brando. Say, hey, we want you. Mark wants you. Like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, what do you think you're worth? And I gave him my DC rate. He's like, oh, I don't know if I'll go for that. I said, all right, well, see ya. And I got the phone. And it's like, and then I got another call. It's Ron Mars. He's like, yeah, uh, you, you really need to be a part of this, John. It's, uh, I think. And I'm like, yeah, but uh, it's got to be for this much. He's like, uh, I'll throw it at Mark and see what he says. All right, Mark says it's still too high. All right, take care. Pick up the phone. <laughs> Just, and then I get a call from Mark going, what's the problem here? Why aren't you here? What? You know, uh, these guys see the, you know, and I'm like, well, I like the idea of working for you, but this is how much I, I get paid. He's like, that's too high. I said, okay, talk to you later. And just, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not going to come work for you, you know, because you're, you're an unknown independent. You want me to just drop everything and move to Tampa. I have a house. I have kids. I'm not going to take up, you know, like basically a cut and pay to come try a fly by night. If you, if you, he said, well, I guarantee you four years of work. And you'll be, you'll be a millionaire at the end of that. I said, yeah, well, what if that doesn't happen? I said, I'm, I'm still out of money. I'm broke, and I'm working for less than I make in D.C. <laughs> I'll talk to people. I'll call you back. You don't hear from me in a week. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm like, okay, talk to you later. You know, just, finally, I get a call, and he's like, fine, fine. I'll send you a contract. And then I get, a, I get this nice big basket of fruit from, uh, from Brandon going, welcome to Crosskin. Uh, I flew out there, uh, cause he wanted everybody in the house. Uh, even though we weren't even actually making the comics, he had his little studio and Mark Blessy was like a great big boy. I mean, I was there, I met with him and Barbara Kessel, Kiesel, and I was just, man, I was just, Gold. I, I, I feel like I just wandered into Disneyland. That complex was unbelievable. It was like everything you want, man. Uh, the, the, the refrigerators were fully stocked with food, so in case they had to work late. They had beer, they had sodas, everything. They had, uh, they had beds if you wanted to take a nap. Like, oh man, I'm tired, I want to go rest. There was a bedroom. There was, uh, there was a lounging room, they had a kitchen. Um, it was fantasy land, man. It was just, you know, and everything was broken over the quads. And I had, I had my own computer at first. I had my own, uh, well, no, I think we all shared a computer. I had my, it was like a desk. and It was like a businessman's desk and an art desk. And it had room for me to put my books. It had all these, it was cubicle. I could hang art up all around me. I could have all my toys, my lot, my favorite books. I was like, oh my God, I've landed in heaven. And then you know, it's like, well, here's your first check. Like, oh, put this in the bank. You know, and, and, and I, I used it 
I used Mark uh, because, you know, the one he paid me, I used to pay off a lot of taxes I owed, so I used him as much as he used me. Um, and it was nice having that check, just, you know, even though if you still did the math, he, he got it for nothing. Because uh, the amount of hours we put into our, our pages, um, it's one of the worst things to do, by the way, if, if you're a comic book artist, is if you, you do the math. Uh, and that just means, okay, I make this much money per page. All right? If I divide that into how many hours it took me to do them, I'm making less than minimum. You know, just... <laughs> but we love our work, and we're, we're, we're just not smart enough to, you know, to, to say no to the drugs. Um, what, what was it like... I, I, what was it like for you when it ended? I mean, like, obviously, everyone had differing experiences for how, you know, the ship started going down, and how early did you kind of get out? And, I mean, obviously, you did fine. You had a lot of, I mean, it's interesting how many uh, of the talent pool at CrossGen went on to major careers elsewhere. Like, you know, some of the, the, the younger talent that kind of came through CrossGen and really ended up exploding when they were kind of picked up by, you know, Marvel and DC afterwards. How did you feel kind of coming off of the cross-gen experience and then going back to, you know, freelance work? I mean, uh, and and I guess, is this around the time when your long-term collaborations with Mark Bagley started? Uh, well, at, at cross-gen, it, it, it almost started to get, uh, I think Mark took a major, I, I hope I'm not talking about school, you probably have heard this before, Mark took a, took a major hit uh, financially. And it was like, all of a sudden, this kindly old um, puppeteer became a ruthless driver. And look, I I love, I know Mark's daughter's going to hear this, and she knows I love her, and I don't mean any ill will. But all of a sudden, we really needed to make money across it, whereas before, it was pretty much play land. And so, he got, it things got a little more dark, um, and a little more... You know, we started wondering if this really was going to last. But, you know, I still was going to do it, you know. I, I was going to still stick it out and do what I was there for. Um, and then, you know, people started uh, exiting. And, uh, and okay, so the writing's on the wall. But at this point, I'm thinking, well, you know, if, if I'm not going to quit this thing cold, and the basic reason one's going to be if if I I'm going to get, I'm going to make sure he fires me because if he does then I can qualify for unemployment until I find something else at Marvel and AC. And if I just quit, I don't get unemployment, and I've been you know I wanted that at least that. So uh, there was a, there was just this day where you just you start well no I shouldn't say a day. There was about a week where you would just hear announcements, like, uh, you know, could, I'm going to make up a name, could Craig Fox please come to uh, Mark's office? And you knew that meant that Craig was out the door. Uh, and then, you know, another day would go by, it's like, can, can, uh, can Mark Smith please come to Mark's office? And you, you know, damn, Mark's got the axe. And, uh, you know, we're looking around going, well, I don't want to go to Mark's office. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I was kind of chafing at the bit. I, I was getting to, at that point, 
wanting to do, I was wanting to get back into doing Superman and Batman. I put in a really good bunch. There's work I, I, I did across Gen that I don't think I can do now. Uh, especially, um, I'm going to say Brandon Peterson, probably maybe two times eager I was working on his him with Mystic than when I started because inking him on Mystic was just, oh man, it gave me, it gave me just, the work is beautiful. I look at the stuff at Mystic and go, how the hell did I do that? <laughs> uh, you know, just, it was incredible. Uh, and and, and I, I also, you know, I worked with a couple of other artists there. And, and, and I mean, at, when, we were, when we were really rolling on CrossGen the first couple of months, <clears throat> I was, it was the most, it was fun. Uh, I mean, that, that, that place was rocking. We had, uh, just, just walking around with Butch Geist, um, you know, George Perez, uh, all these guys are, Jim, or Jim Chung, um, <coughs> he's doing, he's a legend, he's doing gym stuff now, it's like, wow. Hmm. Um, Steve Epting, uh, you know, the, 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 the talent assembled there, uh, was just fantastic, man. And you would walk down the hall, cause we all would put on the outside of our cubicles the pages that we were doing that week. So you'd walk down the hall, and there'd be five pages of Brando's pencils, five pages of my inks, five pages, because, you know, we were all sharing, like, the quads were, like, open to each other. So it's like I could see Andrew coloring something I just handed him. And it was made that way, Mark made that way to go Brando, I think, designed it deliberately, so that the team, you know, there was a desk for the writer, which they never used, they were, they had their own offices, really, but... When we would meet, there was a center table, and we would go over what we were doing, discuss things, and then go back to our tables and, and go back to work. And so it's just, you know, that's just how it went. And there was just, there was a few moments where you would just walk down and you could just look on the walls and see what everyone else was doing. And then, you know, of course, Mark had there was this big outer ring and you would walk by, and there's there's work by Frazetta, there's work by uh, Wally Wood, there's the 50 Girls 50s, uh, the, that that incredible, you know, EC story, every page laid out in front of you know, uh, and Dave Stevens, Bernie Wrights, and just, everywhere you looked, you were surrounded by this stuff that just inspired you. So that's, that was something that was fantastic about CrossGen. But, Mark called me in. You know, I, I got my uh, John Bell. Could you please come and see Mark Alessi? Like, oh well, I guess that's me. And I went in there, and uh, he had Smitty. And if you've talked to other cross campers, you know who Smitty was, John Smith. And that was Mark's. Uh, you know, I take a bullet for this guy. Uh, he was John Smith was Alessi's hammer. Hmm. Put it that way. But he was a really nice, great guy. You just knew that if if Mark goes, he said, hey, John, bring this guy. And uh, John would do it. 
what do you sorry, bro, got to throw it, you know, the boss told her to break you. Uh, you know, just <laughs> no harm, no foul. We'll be friends and play, you know, we'll drink beers after, but Mark said I got to break you right now. Uh, and he had Smitty there, so I'm like, okay, I guess some people have had bad reactions to Mark. Uh, he's like, well, John, um, you know, I... I wish things had turned out differently, but you know things are what they are. Uh, you know, I'm paying you a little, a little too much more than you know. He mentioned the salary thing because I think it still bugged him deep down. Because mm. um, I it had been hinted hit maybe once or twice before for me to take a pay cut. I was like, hell no. Because um, <laughs> you were still under contract. That was the thing. You signed a contract that said that Mark, you could not work for another company as long, for uh, up to two or three months after you were fired by CrossGen. He literally had us, it was bullshit. We didn't know it, but, you know, it's like, well, what if he, I think if you, had, if you had rubbed Mark the wrong way, and then he would find somebody to mess you up, he would. He had sometimes, you know, if you wronged him, he would make sure you got paid back. And so I didn't want that to happen. I, I wanted to, you know, so he said, we got to let you go. Um, you know, things, things are what they are. And all I could think to do was reach out my hand and take his hand. I said, well, okay, Mark, thanks a lot. Uh, you know, I see, you, you know, this is how it goes. And I'll land on my feet somewhere else. And uh, and then I, I, I don't know how I got the nerve to ask him a favor. <laughs> I said, I said, well, look, being with things with the R, I don't have a studio at home. Uh, do you mind? Because uh, I had a I had a great setup across here, my desk, my pens. Like, I said, do you mind uh, if I use that area? Because I can't work at home when my apartment's too small. Do you mind if I use that area to to do other work until I can get all that stuff out and moved into my new, you know, new place. And he looked at me, he's like, what the hell, sure, why not? And uh, I said, so I can keep my pass, because he had a door pass, a door key card. Hmm. He's like, yeah, keep your pass, I'll tell it to you, don't worry about it. And uh, so I did that, I came and went to CrossFit, even though it's fired, because, you know, I, I realized that he, um, he didn't have anything, you know, some of the people really lost him because he made promises to some that he didn't keep, and I'm not going to go into that. But every promise he made to me, besides making me a millionaire after four years, <laughs> I, you know, I, I got paid well. Um, I got paid well, I got a lot of work done, stuff I'm proud of, uh, and, so, and he let me keep working there even though I wasn't doing his books. So, you know, that part, I don't mind. Uh, there are a lot of people he did wrong. Uh, I actually managed to come out on my feet because as soon as I got off the phone with him, I signed up, I, I, I got my, um, I called up the, uh, uh, I just said it. I, I got my, I, I started getting, um, when you get fired from a job, what do you do? What do you call that? Unemployment pay? Yeah. Yeah. And I started making calls, and one of the people I called was uh, Adam Kubert. Because he said, hey, if you ever need something, give me a call. And so I was like, hey, let's call this guy. 
And he's like, how would you like to do the ultimate FF? And I said, sure. He said, okay. <laughs> I'll get you some pages. Because I think the geeker that was doing that had, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how it was. He said, I can get you some pages. And so not long after, and then DC also got me a JLA, a, a JLA story, or not JLA, JLS over Rags Morales. So it's like, right off the bat, I was, you know, I was picking up and working for uh, editors of DC and Marvel again. So, John, actually, I think that's the perfect spot to actually leave it on because I'm going to have you back because um, you've worked on too many books to only have you on for, for one hour. I feel like we're going to need another hour and we're only at, you know, 2002 or so or 2003 wow. or four. Um, so I feel like <laughs> if you're open to it, I'd love to have you come back in a couple of weeks maybe and uh, we can sure. do do the rest of your career and we'll, 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 eat, we'll end it with the end of the cross-gen era and the next time we'll, we'll delve into uh, you know coming out of cross-gen and then really reestablishing yourself at Marvel and DC. And again, I really want to talk about your collaborations with, with Mark Bagley as well. Yeah, because this is like, uh, I feel like now I'm in my, the third wave of my career. It's like you know, every 10 or Ten or so years, I I come out fresh again. It's weird. I kind <laughs> of shed my skin and start all over again. Keeps you but fresh. I, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it does. Thanks. I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun going down memory lane, and uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to have you on. And again, uh, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to uh, email you both the link when this goes live and also to uh, set up a second time because, as I said, like you've got a lot of good stories and perspective and I'm really interested about you know some of the stuff you've done in the last 15 years as well. So uh, I look forward to picking your brain, brain again. Well, thank you. I enjoyed having a pick. <laughs> Thanks so much. Right, Thanks so much, John. All right. Take care, y'all. Take care. All right. Bye.